I'm Dana Sosteger. After three decades in the marketing business and many years of being an entrepreneur, I've learned a thing or two about marketing. Join me as we talk about marketing, small business, and life in between. Welcome to My Weekly Marketing. Are you on YouTube? Do you want to be? Let me be 100% real with you. If you would have told me five years ago that I'd be doing video and a podcast, I would have told you to get out of town. Seriously, video was the last thing I wanted to do. But there was no denying the engagement that video content was getting for my clients who were on YouTube. They struggled on Instagram and Facebook, but their video content did really, really well. So I've made it my goal to do more video this year. Yeah, I started slowly and I'm gradually getting the hang of it, but I feel all the feels with watching and listening to myself after I've made a video. Those Hollywood types make it look so easy. In today's episode, I talk about a statistic I read recently. I couldn't recall the numbers while we were taping the episode, but here it is. 7% of a message is communicated through words. 38% is communicated through voice but 55% is communicated through facial expressions, gestures, and posture. If that alone isn't a case for video content, I don't know what is. So on my podcast today, I have Kurt Sasso. Kurt's been doing video for a long time for his show, Two Geeks Talking, and he's racked up more than an impressive 1,000 interviews in the comic, TV and film, music and video game industries. I knew he'd be a pro to talk to about all things video. So let's hear what Kurt had to say about video and YouTube. Well, hey, Kurt, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Janice. I appreciate it. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about your background and how you got started on YouTube and what inspired you to focus on video as a platform. Well, my, my background is, is like any typical geek of, of my age. I got into computers early in life. I was voted to be a number one hacker back in high school when I graduated. That didn't happen, but I did have a 20 year career in IT, which eventually led me towards doing a podcast called uh, TGT Web Comics at the time back in 2008. Uh, it has since evolved to my current show called Two Geeks Talking, but from 2008 to 2010, I was doing strictly two-hour live podcasts with guests in the comic industry, whether they were indie to professionals. Uh, by about that time, by about 2010, I ended up getting a little burnt out with over two to 400 interviews that I'd already recorded and released at two hours a shot. And so a friend of mine said, hey, come to Chicago. There's a brand new comic convention coming out there called C2E2. And you know what? Bring, bring your camcorder, bring your audio recorder and just, just do some live, you know, on site interviews. And, and so I did. I'd never been to a comm convention, traveled to Chicago, which is a great city. I love it. <laughs> Amazing food as well. But yeah. it's, yeah, the, the ribs are to die for. But <laughs> <laughs> that's another episode. Uh, when, when I got to the convention, it was, Almost as if I had to relearn how to do interviews because now you're focused on working with video. I had created a YouTube channel by that time as well, which YouTube back then was still brand new to the scene when it came to quality and technology and everything like that. So it was a learning experience for me to 
how do I do a video interview? How do I get clean audio going back and forth? And by the way, back then the audio was not clean at all. The Mm -hmm. audio quality was horrible, but I'm digressing here. But I had done about 200 interviews at a four day event in Chicago and it took me about five months to edit all of that. And then I went to a convention in at Fan Expo in Toronto doing video interviews as well. And that was another 250 plus interviews. So wow. expanding on, on what I had already created through the podcast, I was expanding into video now, which was a brand new avenue. And it was fun. It was amazing. You were dealing with people face to face. It was not just like listening through your headphones. You were actually seeing their reactions to your questions. You were seeing people walking in front of your camera. You were seeing uh, their their amazing talent, if they were comic creators or if they were actors or actresses. And it just gave give me a new sense of energy to say, video is the way to go. I still want to do the podcast, but I know video is the key to expanding uh, a career in doing entertainment interviews as through to Geek Stalking. I love that. You know, I just read something and I'm going to, have these numbers all wrong, but it was something like, um, people listen to about 7% of what you say, or you communicate, uh, I know what it was, <laughs> you communicate with, uh, about 7% through your words. And, um, I don't know, I was going to get these numbers wrong, like 30% through your voice. And then the rest of it comes through your facial expressions and your body language. And, you know, when I read that, I thought, wow, I should be doing more video. <laughs> For sure, because that really does make a difference, especially in the business world when you are trying to pull in people and communicate with people and, and get clients, right? So, um, you know, the, that is so powerful, but I see a lot of people just like, Oh no, I'm not going to do video. And I, I have been one of those. It's taken me a long time, maybe because I'm older. It's just taken me a long time to get comfortable in front of a camera. And where my kids were like, you know, with their phones all the time, click, <laughs> click, 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 you know, and it was no, no big deal to be on video for them. But, um, so I think, what do you think holds people back from starting on YouTube or, or doing video? Well, I think for me, it, well, it's the same for being, uh, doing a podcast as well. It's not just strictly for video, but I, I understand where you're coming from. I always say for myself, I was in introverted extrovert when I started the show. And I wasn't the actual, I was a co-host originally for the first 60 episodes. And because I was so into my own head, into my own introvertedness, if that's a word, uh, I really uh, didn't know how to, how to communicate or how to speak or how to voice questions or anything like that, because I was more of a listener than I was a talker. And it wasn't until my co-host had to go on with life that I had to take control of the show, whether I let it die after 600 interviews in, in two year span. Do I let that go or do I continue on? Do I continue on that journey? And for me, it was just, okay, it's, it's up to me to step up. It's up to me to get my out of my introverted self, become an extroverted person to a certain extent and ask the question as I wanted to ask of these people and get more comfortable in that mindset. Now, there's no real difference between asking a question through a podcast or there's no real question when you're communicating with someone face to face. The mm-hmm. only question is they can see you if you decide to look off or look at your phone as you're asking the question. It's just not the same connection. So what stops people really is, is a fear of moving forward with their knowledge. Do you want to know more about this person you're talking to? Do you want to 
expand your expertise and talk about the things that you're passionate about, whether it's your niche or a topic you're interested in. Uh, I'm not sure being in, in marketing and in business, you have to have these conversations all the time. So there's no difference between us having a meeting face-to-face right now in a boardroom versus us having a conversation on Zoom that's being recorded or being posted to YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's about how comfortable you are with with your own expertise, with your own knowledge, and what do you want to learn from the person in front of you. And so if you can do that, if you're comfortable in just speaking one-on-one with the person, don't worry about where the camera is. Don't worry about anything like that or how you look or how you sound. As long mm-hmm. as your message gets conveyed or as long as their message gets conveyed, depending on the style of, of conversation you're having and, and show, then that's just one step forward in getting more comfortable with what you're doing. And eventually, you know, you won't worry about a webcam that has a bright blue light on you, like staring at you continuously. And you're just going to focus on the person in front of you. Right. Focusing on the message more than, or the interview more than, than, um, you know, yourself, basically. Right. And, and, and sorry, I, I apologize. The, um, the only thing that I say is, when I started this show, it was all about the people. I didn't care about myself as a host, as best mm-hmm. that sounds. But my my message was, this is a platform for you to talk about yourself. I'll ask the questions. I'll guide you towards what you want to talk about. But it's really about you and about your process and your life and your creativity and, and your message. And so I'm just a guide that helps guide that path. I love that. I love that you said comfortable too, or you, something, you, you mentioned comfort in all of that. And I think that's part of it is that when we're in business or doing anything in life, honestly, we have to get comfortable with going outside our comfort zone. And even though it's never, it never feels good, it's really necessary to keep growing. And I feel like we have to keep growing through our entire life or we're just, you know, it, it's a sad ending, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But yeah. I think that that's really true. No, I agree. I, I agree with you 100. I we never the, there's that phrase we never stop learning. Yeah. Uh, the the minute we stop learning, we're dead. Uh, yeah. That's really what it boils down to. I think that's paraphrased somehow, <laughs> or whatever. But uh, we have to be we have to be able to get outside of our comfort zone. Like being an introverted for a good number of years, you know, I I can have a conversation now. It's not as as bad as it once was, but Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll stumble. Sometimes I'll, I'll try to get back inside my head, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. And, and as long as I can get the message out, then, then just take that first step towards it. Even if you're just talking on, even if it's just yourself on the podcast or on your show and you're just talking about what you're passionate about, record it, get it ready, edit it afterwards, but get something out so that you're comfortable in speaking. Are you going to be the best speaker? No. But you'll get better with practice. You'll get better with time, mm-hmm. and and you'll find your your own voice. And that's that's the most difficult part. Can you find your own voice? And it took me a good four or five years to finally, you know, get comfortable with the questions I was asking, and get comfortable with myself and with my voice as well too. I think that's the other key factor. Are you comfortable with hearing yourself once you're editing? <laughs> right. Yeah. Your physical voice for sure. Yeah. Um, just listening to it. I know the first time I well. Many times I've heard myself and, and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't like that, you know, <laughs> but it's okay. 
And, you know, that's the only voice I have. <laughs> and um, other than, you know, learning some diction exercises or something like that, there's not a whole lot you can do about your voice per se. And um, so what do you now? I'd love to talk about YouTube in particular. What do you feel? Uh, what advantage do you feel that YouTube has over some of the video, other video platforms that are out there like TikTok and Instagram? YouTube has searchability. And and that's a key factor is because of the content that is currently out there and the attention span of the people that are consuming it. We have 8 billion people in the world. You have a three to 10 second window to attract that person to continue to watch your content past 30 seconds. That's just the way the world is. It is horrible Mm -hmm. for long format content, but where YouTube gets that flexibility is that a lot of YouTube and a lot of Google, YouTube is the new Google when it comes to search engine. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to find how to do something, or if you're trying to find what does this term mean, or if you're trying to find um, interviews with a famous person or an indie creator or someone that's drawing your interest currently, YouTube is the way to go because I would easily bet 90% of the time you're going to find it on YouTube. And if not, then it's going to be on a short clip on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or wherever. So mm-hmm. YouTube is that search engine that you always, always want to be more active in because it's all about evergreen content. It's all about the content that has life passed when you posted it. A lot mm-hmm. of my older YouTube content, I'm getting... Like when, when Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman passed away, I had a huge influx on a past interview I did with one of his co-stars from the, the Pee Wee Herman from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Mm. Huge influx of views. And that was done 13 years ago. That was not a, a new interview whatsoever, but people were inspired to look at his past co-hosts and past co-stars and. It just had some wonderful comments and messages about how that person inspired them to do whatever. And so it's about, can your content, does your content have legs in the future? And, and Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to businesses or marketing or interview shows like, like my show with two geeks talking, I think it just comes down to, will that person be relevant in the future? Is there a message that they're saying besides what they're promoting? Will it have legs for the future as well? Are they going to say something about their acting or their writing or their progress in life and how they dealt with failure and success and everything like that? And so will that generate interest in the future? We don't know. And and if it does, then great. You've just inspired another person not only to watch, but maybe you've inspired them on their path as well, too. Hmm. That's interesting because early on, I, I... I used to have a design agency and I had a lot of marketing clients too. So I used to do a lot of how to videos mm-hmm. and put them up on YouTube. But I actually recently went through and deleted almost all of them because oh. they had changed. The, mm-hmm. the platform has changed or whatever. So it became outdated. But that's something I didn't really think about when posting on YouTube initially. It was more just a vehicle to get the, the video loaded on my website. Right. So um, it wasn't something that I really thought much about, but it is, it's owned by Google, right? So they, they say that it's a, the third largest search engine or the most popular search engine, but it actually is part of Google. 
So um, now I actually recommend clients be on YouTube, even if they have, you know, accounts on Vimeo or one of the other video platforms, simply because it's Google and Google makes the world go round on the internet. So yeah. So, um, but I love that, that you really think about long term, uh, strategy with YouTube. And that's I, something I, that I haven't thought much about. Right? Sorry. I, I, I apologize. I, I think I, I, you have to because I, I've been doing this for 15 years for, for audio and video. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my older content, especially with today's client climate, when it comes to social, political, whatever, um, not that I'm anything like that whatsoever, but maybe some of my guests 10 years ago have changed their stance on whatever. And now they're a pariah in society or, or whatever the case might be. Not saying that's the case with, with the mm-hmm. content I have. I'm just saying mm-hmm. the views could be considered like that. But the message and their, their thoughts with whatever they said back then could easily be transferred over to today's world and today's viewpoints because 15 years is a long time. Heck, online, five years is a long time. Two years is a long time. Right. The attention span of, of the mouse is, it's, it's all cyclical. You're going to find your content one way or another. And whether or not it's outdated content, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it's not still useful because you could still have people with, say, older software versions that need to look something up and, oh, Google's not helping. I'm going to look up a YouTube video on how to do this. And it saved me a lot of time in the, in the past as well, too, when it came to what I needed to do to resolve an issue. And, and, and that's just how to videos. And that's, you know, how do I use this or how do I do this layer or mm-hmm. does it help my product? Does it help my productivity in my editing? Is there something I'm, I haven't tried in a while that, oh, this looks new. This looks interesting. And oh, wait, I did this five years ago and I just can't remember. Right, right. Well, I do love YouTube for a thousand reasons, but one of them is that how, those how-to videos because, I mean, I, I live in new software all the time for myself and for clients, so I'm always looking for a YouTube video on something, and I get kind of annoyed, honestly, if I have to read it on a web page rather than look at a demo video, and I keep thinking, yeah, if there's a gap out there, then I need to jump in and fill it in because if there's something that is not on YouTube yet, I could certainly do it. But um yeah. So, but what, um, so I, here, I can actually give you a real life example here. I have a, um, podcast that obviously that you're on it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just loaded, uploaded that to YouTube. Um, they just create an integration where you can automatically upload them to YouTube. And, um, right now it's about all I have on my YouTube tube channel. So what do you think are some good strategies for growing that channel successfully? As long as you're, so there's a couple of things I can think of, maybe three or four. I'll let you keep count. <laughs> uh, <laughs> first off is consistency. Do you, are you consistently posting your, your show or your podcasts on a weekly basis or bi-weekly or whatever it is? If you're consistent in that respect, the views will, will come. Mm-hmm. Creating a good thumbnail is another key factor that people, a lot of people, especially for podcasts uh, and shows, don't really understand. The basic concept of a thumbnail, especially in the sea of thumbnails that you're going to get, especially on YouTube, is you need a, a solid or a gradient background. You need a good title. 
uh, of the episode itself, whether it's the title of the episode or a catchphrase in the episode. Uh-huh. If you're the if you're the host, you can either put yourself in there in the image itself or your thumbnail. But if you have a guest uh, headshot, you can throw that in as well. If they're a famous person, keep that as the main focus, and then have their name in in the actual thumbnail image image. So you have like three to four items in your image to make it consistent, and then you can change that up if you get bored with the format or if you get bored with the different sides or however mm-hmm. you want to position mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your assets in that particular thumbnail. The third and and the third which is really key is your title. Uh and I I've seen this a lot on on groups that are are doing podcasts and doing shows where they're asking, well should I put episode number XX whatever and then the title. And to me that's wasted space. You don't mm-hmm. need to list your episodes in your title because Unless you have over a thousand and there's, and they're not broken up into seasons, then there's no point to it. What you want in your title is really is the guest or maybe a, a catchphrase or something that will draw Keyword. interest in the exact yeah, keywords yeah. for the mm-hmm. actual thing. So, so if you're a marketing guru or a marketing expert and your name is so and so, then so and so marketing expert on this topic, you know, something mm-hmm. quick, short and to the point. Your description is another key factor that you definitely need to have. And you need to keep that to 200 words or less or okay. right, 200, 200 characters or less, I should say. Characters. Okay. So it's about two, two sentences, three sentences max. So that's, that's the part of the description that shows before you click on it to expand the bottom. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, so at most two sentences. So whatever your, your, key phrasing that is going to draw interest to get them to either click see more or to actually click and listen to your show. In that description, though, you also have the capability of adding in all of your socials where they can support you, where they can find you. Uh, your call to actions or, or even better terminology I've heard recently is called to benefit. What is the, mm. what is the benefit of them clicking on these links? Not necessarily to get their sponsorship money or anything like that, but you're drawing interest in the rest of the, your items that you actually have capabilities for. So if you have your uh, YouTube channel, you want to get them to subscribe to you. Put in a nice, quick two-word, three-word call to benefit for them to click on that link to get them to subscribe. You have your podcast. You want them to get, you want to get them to listen to that as well. You probably have a, a, Patre- a Patreon or you have some type of extra funding coming in regarding certain maybe episodes that don't release until to the public for three months later or three weeks later, whatever you get. what mm. I'm saying. Um, so you hold back episodes for a while and create paid episodes, basically. I'm still working that up. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is, yes, it is something I want to do. It is something, especially with my older content that I will definitely put behind a Patreon paywall mm-hmm. because I think, the content that I have is still valuable and viable to people listening to it, even though it is 15 years old. You never know what you can learn from the past that'll help you in the present. Right. Um, and then hashtags. Hashtags are still a viable option for YouTube, as well as for your podcasts, wherever you're posting and hosting it, because it's mm-hmm. still a searchable function. You know, mm-hmm. list, list three to five hashtags that are part of your actual description that people are searching for. 
you can go to um shoot there's a website currently it's not answer this it's like answer the public yeah thank you that's it and answer the public is a great example of are your hashtags going to be searchable and viable that's a, a great way to kind of test the waters before you just post it live but nothing's mm. nothing is set in stone you can always change your hashtag you can always change your descriptions you can always change your titles to draw more interest into it Mm-hmm. And the one last thing that I've noticed more recently that's really jumped a huge increase, not only in subscribers, but also in watch time and listen time is there's a check mark at the very bottom where you're, when you're posting your content after you go through all the keywords and after you, you list everything like that. It's a check mark that's usually checked by default that says, um, publish this to subscribers first. If you uncheck that, and this is, sounds counterintuitive, but if you uncheck that, you get more traction from people that are not subscribed to your channel than if they were. And I saw a huge increase of at least 50 to 75% more viewers and, and listeners than I had in five years. By unchecking it. By unchecking it. And, and it just blew my mind. I, I couldn't believe it. It was incredible. Huh. So the YouTube algorithm update can really impact visibility for sure. You just found that out. Um, so do you go back and adjust your content later on kind of accordingly or how do you like go in and do you adjust the uh, description or the hashtags or keywords, something in there? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go back. And, and I, there has been times where I've tried something for a couple of months and I've set my descriptions to a certain length or maybe I did too much of a description, but I thought that was the way to go. Mm-hmm. I was really testing and, and trying a lot of AB testing for descriptions versus views and versus attraction. And I found that what I described previously with the, the limitations of the sentences, the, the keywords, the customizable hashtags, the better titles, better thumbnails, Although that takes a little more time to kind of fine tune, uh, because you're always trying something different and new with thumbnails is I'll go back into old content and yeah, I'll, I'll change the description. I'll, I'll edit it. I, I changed my call to benefits. I've actually summarized it a lot tighter than I had say six months ago. So I'll go back when I have time and I'll copy and paste the new call to benefits and go from there. And so it's like, you're always evolving your your style. You're always evolving your content and you're always evolving what you can do because the algorithm, there is no rhyme or reason for it. I mean, there are successes and we've all seen Mr. Beast and we've all seen the, all of these other people, but they, they have a different format than say if it's a one-on-one style interview. That's a completely different avenue than, than long form content that we have. So. We're always evolving and, and trying different things. And shorts are another thing that I've definitely started doing a lot more this year, more so than in previous years, because it just draws eyes. You get a, you get a hot take that isn't really a hot take on a short content and you'll get thousands of people. I've had two videos just explode for 2,500 plus viewers with so much engagement from not only comments, but also from thumbs up, from shares. Nice. Saves even like it's been incredible. And 
all, all because of say, you know, do gamers still live in their parents' basement? That was the one thing that started January 1st, 2024. <laughs> just exploded people's like, uh, I mean, the, the comments alone were just hilarious, but, but it was because I had interviewed a, a guest and that was his take on, I said, well, what's the most misunderstood, what's the most misunderstood aspect about the esports genre that people who don't follow it misunderstand? That's how I formed my question. And he's like, Oh my God. And he just went on to a five minute rant about it, but I had to shorten it down to under a minute. But it, it just, because of the visuals I put on, I use some South Park video clips. I use some uh, free actual videos that are, are free for download, things like that. I, I will never use AI images or, or video content. I will never do that whatsoever. Mm. And so right. it's just because of the content uh, that I have and because of the guests that I have, they're all artists and they're all creative people. So why should I give benefit towards AI art and AI videos that are horrible first off, that have the same mm -hmm. generic content and that are stealing from actual artists that have spent blood, sweat, and tears and thousands of hours in their lives? Why do I want to put something like that into my content? I don't. So I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Apologies. I kind of lost track. No, I know you're good. You're really good. Um, first of all, I want to say that I love that, that phrase called a benefit. I've not heard that before, but that is so spot on. And that is something that I'm, you know, constantly working with clients on and, and constantly trying to teach people is benefit, benefit, benefit. You know, you need to stop thinking about your, your solution and start thinking about their problem. So that's first off. But I was actually going to, um, ask you about the rise of uh, YouTube shorts. Sure. And how you decide on the content format for each of those, whether or not do you, do you take a, a long form video and chop it up into shorts, basically, mm -hmm. or do you kind of do separate content? I, I don't have time for separate content. Um, it, it just, it, it's, I, I'm one person doing everything. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're well aware <laughs> of this. <laughs> we, we can only do so much with the limited time we have on this earth. Amen. Yes. <laughs> So I use the Gary, Gary Vanacek method, Gary V method of, of editing when it comes to taking long form content, breaking it down into bite sized pieces and putting it out to the social media platforms I have. Yeah. Um, as one person, it is difficult to do that. But if you form your questions, this is all dependent on your style of questions that you're asking. If you're on a one on one interview versus say you're doing skits or comedy or, uh, whatever. Mm hmm. But the concept is, if you can form a question and you can, if you can short form your question enough so that it, it gets the person that you're talking to to expand on that topic, then that's your content for your shorts. So a recent person that I had, uh, created a, a comic called Wardens who was introducing the Yiddish language, which is a dying language into the comic and because we have, you know, our, our phones and our translators in the, in our pockets, learning a language is something that we don't really have to do anymore, although there is Duolingo and others. But mm -hmm. when it came to trying to not, not necessarily revive a dying language, but to incorporate his Jewish heritage into the comic itself while still letting it be a broad sense of anyone can read this because there are translator notes as well. It's like, here's the context, here's the language. I'm going to showcase this because it fits this 1920s style comic. 
here you go. Here's the words that you probably have never learned before, but maybe you watched Fiddler on the Roof and you heard <laughs> it, but you didn't understand why. Things like that. So, so it was in listening and talking to the, the guests that I've had, based on the questions I get to ask, their content sometimes triggers something in my ear where I'll say, that would be a good short. And so I'll, I'll maybe I'll write it down. Maybe I'll, I'll mark it in, in our questions. But I'll take all of the questions and their answers. I'll, I'll set it aside and I will export just that. And out of that five minutes or whatever, sometimes I'll include my questions. Sometimes I'll include their answer into a loop and I'll try to get a 30 second to a minute clip that way. And so mm-hmm. breaking down the long form content is very time consuming, but it's necessary, especially in this day and age. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot more shorts recently because it's just something different. It keeps my editing style a little fresh. It keeps me a little more entertained when I'm trying to figure out, okay, what images do I need to slide into here? Cause I just don't want talking heads all the time. Do I rearrange our videos around? Do I uh, use a, a free video download that I have that kind of fits the, the mold of maybe he's talking about exercise or talking about the underground railroad or whatever the case is. It just, it's always situational. So, but you still have that short video content for say use in other shorts as well so you're not you're kind of gathering your own media assets as you're going and who -hmm. knows when it's available for the future and it's it's amazing what you can do with shorts these days yeah with video in general um honestly and you know and i tend to uh pull out quotes from my podcast and and post them on um, instagram and and uh, LinkedIn, a little different audience than what you're talking about. <laughs> but nonetheless, it still needs to be interesting and fun and at least be able to be um, digestible in a quick way because you want to get them to listen to the entire um, podcast or the whole video or, or whatever. So I think um, I, I love the idea of shorts. I haven't really done anything with it yet, um, but I do have some clients that have tried it and they've had some good results with it. But um, speaking of tools and resources, so what are there some tools that you recommend um, for the creation, the editing, and the overall like management of the channel? Well, the editing, I, I've evolved the editing. Um, I use two pieces of software for the editing. I use DaVinci Resolve, which is free. Mm-hmm. It is uh, pretty much an all-in-one industry standard for editing video content. Premiere is great. Don't get me wrong. I used Premiere for the first 10 years of the show until they decided to stop the CS6 version and they basically canceled it, forcing me to try to do a subscription, but beside the point. (laughs) So DaVinci Resolve is my go-to right now. It has all the editing software I need. It has color correction. It has audio correction, all in separate programs. So from start to finish, I can edit, I can import, I can change the colors i can do my uh, audio levels i can set my my vocals for the wavelengths and then i can export i can export to youtube i can export to podcast i can export to wherever there is a a, a suite of of deliverables i can do Uh, for the short form content i could do everything in davinci resolve as well but i've been using CapCut more recently and Mm -hmm. CapCut's a great piece of software for editing short form content. Not only does it have a great suite of subtitle generation, but it also has language generation for captions. So you don't have to type everything out 
that's about 95% accurate, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So if you have different languages, it has a whole suite of languages in there as well. So if you're speaking in, say, Chinese or Arabic or whatever, it will generate subtitles for that uh, into English if necessary or the language uh, that you're actually dealing with. So that's a great aspect as well. And then the there are automatic subtitle templates. So you see these short videos where it's generating, say, a word with a colored background, or you see it's going word by word as a different color. It's all part of CapCut. So you don't have to manually code anything. You just select the one you like. It sets it up for your auto-generated uh, text for your subtitles, and then you can format it however you like. Mm. Um, you can bring in your media assets that you had previously saved or downloaded over the length of your career into its own folder. And then you can start going through that and dragging and dropping it into your shorts. And you can set the format of the actual video to be vertical or to be a one by one if you're using Instagram or whatever the case may be. It's amazing to see these types of programs that, that just give you so much flexibility in, in creation. But like I said, you could do this in DaVinci Resolve as well, too. You just need to figure out how the software will work for you. So I try mm-hmm. to use as many free things as I possibly can because it's just more of a time-saving factor. And it's just there's easy to find um, tutorials available online. And it, it's funny. I wouldn't have used CapCut if I didn't see it on a short through a YouTube doom scroll one time at 3 a.m. So (laughs) I wouldn't have known about it unless I didn't see it. So it was incredible that way. Um, Audio-wise, sorry, just audio-wise, I sometimes use Audacity to kind of clean up my levels, but I've been really focusing more on DaVinci Resolve to kind of clean up what I need to. I've also used Isotope uh, RX8 as well for cleaning up, say, levels or uh, maybe there's a noise or a background noise that it can clean up with an automatic process. So Mm. a few different softwares like that. And then recording wise, I use XSplit Broadcaster. It's a one-time cost and I've been using it to record everything. I'll use Zoom as my actual uh, one-on-one video conferencing, but I'm thinking of switching from Zoom to StreamYard. And StreamYard is a great piece of software that not only can you use it for free, but you can also export to YouTube, to Twitch, to a variety of other APIs that it's linked to, popular APIs. You can go to Facebook, but you can also do live streaming as well. And that will get you around the one hour limit that they have for, say, the free version of it. So you can do a live stream for as long as you want and then download that content and uh, off of YouTube and then just edit it as you need to. So there's a little workaround okay. for you. Yeah. I've been using Zoom for, um, well, our interview like we are today. Mm-hmm. And um, I like it because it will record on two tracks. So uh, if my dog barks, for example, while you're speaking, we can easily edit that out and, you know, can still without interrupting you and, and what you've got going on. So um, but I'll have to check out some of the other platforms. I think they sound really interesting. Sure. I have used CapCut. Well, actually, I haven't. I have an assistant that does my social media. I know <laughs> she uses it. But um, but for video editing, because I, I I do video for uh, classes and and online videos, um, I have been using um, 
uh, Premier Pro, but they have a like a a I don't know an abbreviated version for use on a on a on a phone, basically. Okay. And um, but Premier Pro is it's a lot like anything Adobe. There are multiple layers of expertise you can get in it, and it's a, it's a lot for someone a novice like me who just hops in for you know to edit a video and then hops out. Otherwise, I end up using uh, iMovie, which, as I understand, is not the greatest for video editing, but it sometimes it works, you know? So, <laughs> Well, I, I think now would be a great time to start with DaVinci Resolve, to be perfectly honest. I think I, because it has a, a low, it does have a low learning curve, because if you're used to Premiere, you're used to DaVinci Resolve. There's, okay. There's really no difference in the button combinations, there's maybe a couple of minor things like D for Blade, which I think is an iMovie thing or, or part of Final Cut Pro or Final Cut in general. I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. D was the cut tool. Uh, it, it has something similar. Um, one thing I forgot to mention is I use uh, more recently as of last year, it's called a, a Tourbox uh, Pro. And it is a great tool. There's better lighting. It's a great tool that allows me to edit with one hand. And this, oh. this has been so amazing. It was like a hundred bucks Canadian or 150 Canadian, uh, which is like two bucks US. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but, but everything is in, in the palm of my hand here. And there are templates. There are key shortcuts that are linked to this by default. So for Premiere, for DaVinci, for any video editing software for image software as well. It's such a diverse tool that honestly has made my editing that used to take like six or so hours. It's now dropped it down to at least two at minimum. So, or at max, I should say it's been such a lifesaver for shortcut keys. And like I use, I, I just use the, the little D pad here. This here is all I use for my editing of my clipping of everything like that for uh thing. And I can scroll through on this one. I can zoom in and out here. I can fast forward through here. I can undo. I can set my endpoints and outpoints. Like wow. I just I just it's just been such a lifesaver. And you can save by pressing any of these buttons. But it's been so amazing just to have that type of tool. And I wouldn't have Try this without seeing it on a short or seeing a review of it on YouTube. So there you go. Mm, I'm circle. Well, we'll have to put the link to that in the show notes. Kurt, this has been great. I have learned so much just in our short time together. How can people find out more about you or, or where, where is your show or how can we watch your show? Well, I'll, I'll do my outro as I normally do for this. Okay. Uh, that ends this particular episode of My <laughs> Weekly Marketing. Uh, of course, I am a guest on the show today with the amazing Jones. She is an incredible host. You should all look at her show and get on her show. But myself, you can find Two Geeks Talking on our website, which is going through a revamp. It's twogeekstalking.com. That's T-W-O or T-G-T Media. Because it's going through an update, go to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash T-G-T Media. The podcast is back after 12 or so years. You can find that at twogeekstalking.podme.com or just search Two Geeks Talking wherever you get your podcasts. And as I say every week, everyone has a story to tell. It's up to me to help bring that out. Thanks for listening and watching on this show. That is awesome. Thank you, Kurt. (laughs) And there you have it. 
Kurt makes it sound so easy, and I'll no doubt check out what he recommends for tools and employing some of his YouTube tips. So what about you? Are you going to try out video this year? For more information about Kurt or any of the products and links he mentioned in today's episode, check out my show notes page at myweeklymarketing.com forward slash 43. That's episode 43. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and tell your small business friends. I appreciate you so much. See you next time. Bye for now. Thank you.